0: I'm a fun guy. <laughs> There's nothing balanced about 50% run, 50% pass, because that's 50% stupid. Yeah. Oh, i, I give a rat's about Twitter. I'm not going to, so quit asking. The Sports Pen lives here on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops in studio with you Monday afternoon. Charlie Bramer join us breaking down the NFL postseason divisional weekend. You watch a lot of football this weekend. That's about all I did. I actually did. I watched uh, the NFC games mainly, Mm -hmm. and I was disappointed.
1: I really wanted to catch the Patriots game, but eh, I eh, I watched the
0: highlights of it, and I think I pretty much caught it then. That was a butt-kicking, but let's go in chronological order, and let's start with Kansas City and indianapolis because that was a butt kicking in a big way everyone thought that would be a good game and why shouldn't we have the colts were playing great football the chiefs have struggled in the postseason and that game was over early on well the chiefs
1: defense um it's kind of you kind of been wondering when were they going to start playing Mm -hmm. better because the talent's there and the speed there's fast defense and it it showed it really showed and I actually did catch most of that game, too. I was at Pat's Bar. Mm. Got to get over there and catch yes. a bur- get a burger, man. Best burgers in town, I think.
0: Highly recommend it. All right. I need to find some new restaurants around here. I yep. still haven't had a pasty, and people keep letting me know that. I've, I'm going to tell you, man. Go to Pat's Bar. You can
1: skip the pasty. It, I'm not trying to hate on the Uber <laughs> traditions. Um, I, I love the UP, but maybe the
0: pasties they're just not for everybody mm. i'm kind of i'm gonna try it i keep telling myself that i'm gonna try it here at some point i say you gotta do you gotta have gravy or ketchup one or the other mm. don't don't go dry with the pasty. don't go dry no nope. all right well patrick mahomes is a big ketchup guy and yep. he won a playoff game this weekend yep. oh, we're going a, early good job. that is a pro that's why you're on that side thank of the you day. man that's why you're on that, that side well hey here's The stat of the day. We're going to go a little early with stat of the day because of Patrick Mahomes. This is amazing to me. On Saturday, Mahomes became the first ever quarterback that comes from a Big 12 school to start and win an NFL playoff game. Since the Big 12 was formed in 1996 when the Big Eight absorbed the four Texas schools, UT, Texas Tech, A&M, and Baylor. Since then, no Big 12 alum has ever started at quarterback and won an NFL playoff game. That that's was incredible. amazing
1: to me. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. What a great
0: stat. Yeah, there have been some great quarterbacks coming out of the Big 12, and there still are. Right. That's got to be the stat of the freaking month. Stat of the day, maybe stat of the month. Wow. We're about halfway through January.
1: It could be. That was, that's a, I mean, that's... How is that even possible? You know, you think of mm-hmm. all the guys that have come out. Yeah. Apparently they weren't very big time. <laughs> big time, not
0: Big 12. Man, Patrick Mahomes is big time, man. He's fun to watch. And I'm I'm rooting for this Chiefs team because, for one, I don't want to see another Brady Super Bowl. Nothing against Brady, the Patriots. I respect what they do. But I want to see somebody different yeah. in there. The Chiefs have always been... Uh, when I was growing up, you know, I
1: mean, with Packers fans, we're so Homer-ish, it was hard for me to root for even an AFC team, mm-hmm. but I grew up in River Falls, Wisconsin, and for most of my childhood, that's where the Chiefs had training camp mm-hmm. there at the college, University of River Falls, mm-hmm. and you go down there and catch Tony Gonzalez, they, they had some great players back then, mm-hmm. and... um yeah like i said
0: being a packers fan it's hard to we're so homerish it's hard to root for anybody else but i've always enjoyed the chiefs sure. Well, especially when we were growing up, those teams were really fun to watch. Definitely. Trent Green was the quarterback. You had Larry Johnson and Priest Holmes in the backfield. And the aforementioned Tony Gonzalez, one of the best ever play. And now I can't remember.
1: They had that awesome linebacker. I just watched the football life on him. I can't Mm. remember his
0: name, of course. They've had a few awesome linebackers. Very good pass rushers in their days, yes. Pretty good group that you could pick out of, but... Either way, I'm on their bandwagon for the rest of these playoffs. I think it's going to be New England and New Orleans. I hope it's LA and Kansas City. Well, it's going to be New England
1: and New Orleans and I think you've only been calling that for about <laughs> since
0: about week 2. So, well, they are a different team in the postseason New England is. You can look at them in the regular season, you take that whole body of work, what have you, into consideration, it'd be very easy to say that they're not the same team, and they won't be in the postseason. But I tell you what, Belichick's teams in the playoffs are yeah. much different than his teams in the regular season. And it just goes to
1: show what a big deal everyone was making out of the whole Josh Gordon thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they still
0: got Hogan and Edelman, so... They are going to be just fine. there, yeah. They will be just fine. I'm excited to see what they bring to the table next week. They'll have the early game at Arrowhead. Playing at Arrowhead, for one thing, and the weather. It looked fun, and I give the field guys a ton of credit because I know the weather was really nasty around the Kansas City area. I know that there was a lot of snow in the stadium prior to the game. I was expecting a full-on snowball part two, but field crew made that place look pretty good. Yep, and Arrowhead, they say it's one of the louder outdoor venues in it all is. the sports. So
1: my that's, first NFL game was there. Oh, there you go, and that's I suppose you grew up not very far away. No, and that's where the Packers went in. Uh, was that twenty eleven, thirteen and zero, fourteen and zero, lost their only game of the year that year in Arrowhead. to, I believe a three and thirteen, the Chiefs finished three and thirteen. So Arrowhead, yes, it can be a very difficult place to go into. Um, they haven't had many playoff games there recently, um, but you got to figure it's even going to be
0: a little louder for a playoff game. Even fewer playoff wins at that stadium, and they're hoping that can change. They can finally get that monkey off their back and get into the Super Bowl. But to your point, if you want to be a sports fan in Iowa and you want to go attend professional games, your options are either Minneapolis, Kansas City, or Chicago, depending what part of the state you live in and uh what was your preference always mine was always the twin cities yeah yeah i always like going up there the twin cities by the way one year ago today the minneapolis miracle happened still the greatest sporting event i've ever witnessed live
1: yeah that i mean if i would have been there that probably would have been the greatest i mean i've been at some big ones but i don't think they were you know aaron Rodgers breaking his collarbone mm. against the bears um They've been kind of not so positive. <laughs> the Packers going into Detroit and getting throttled 48-10 to 10 on Thanksgiving. There's just been too many negatives. Mason Crosby kicking oh field goals off the uprights in, in overtime. So I, I want to get a positive one like, like what you saw. Just none of these negative ones.
0: Well, if you keep going, at some point something good is going to happen. And that's
1: what I'm thinking. I did see the Packers beat the Vikings at one Thursday night game. It was mm. like Rodgers had six uh first half touchdowns, I believe. But that wasn't a very good Vikings team, so it's not really much to hang their hat on.
0: Anytime Aaron Rodgers throws for six touchdown passes, that's something special. Right.
1: And and that's
0: always fun to see. Um but but a, a real,
1: you know, like a franchise changing moment or a moment that, you know, that obviously the minneapolis miracle so to speak is still on commercials today a year later that's been the best play now for quite a while and it probably will continue to be depending upon what happens in the playoffs it's really something to be able to catch something like that
0: in person well i tell you what going a little bit further with the postseason let's go to the saturday night game you had the cowboys and the Rams. All the pressure was on the Rams in that game. The Cowboys had nothing to lose. They got out to a slow start and LA took advantage of it, went up twenty three to seven. Cowboys made it interesting though. I mean, they hung around and I mean the Rams were a better team, but the Cowboys as hot as they were, a couple of breaks go differently and that could have been a whole different ballgame. Yep, and,
1: and on the way in, of course, I was listening to Levitard mm-hmm. Stu Gatz was giving his weekend observations and Love that. How, how he said how could Jason Garrett be so happy
0: after a playoff loss and just because of his job security. So he's gonna get a nice little extension right I, now from Jerry Jones. Just enough mediocrity to keep him around. Right, I bet so. And um but yeah, like you said, it could have gone a different way, but the Rams are just that much better. And now You have the Bengals that are just hoping the Rams will finally lose so they can hire their quarterbacks coach and Zach Taylor to come be the new head coach in Cincinnati. Got a couple of those situations because Miami needs New England to lose so they can hire Brian Flores as their new head coach. Yep, and uh, I was thinking the Packers were going to want New England to lose, but I guess not. Hey, McDaniels just surgically tore apart the Chargers yesterday. You think there are a few teams out there that are regretting not picking him up as a head coach? Well, I mean, every team has to
1: say they're gonna stick with their guy and they love their guy, but um and I really wonder, you know, what job is he waiting for? He wanted Green Bay. I I and guess that was it. Exactly. He didn't want anything else. Yeah, so I mean there, there could be other teams, you know. Oh man, we wish they would have made a more of a pitch to him or whatever. But would he have even taken the job in Green Bay? I think so. Definitely. Anywhere else, probably you know, not. Yeah, and that's so. So that's kind of a strange one to me. I guess I'll always be wondering about that. But you can't get inside another guy's head like that. So it is what it is. Well, that
0: was just a dominating performance oh, yeah. on Sunday. The Chargers brought a knife to again fight. Yeah, and and I was just really disappointed.
1: You know, being down 21 to 7 in a football game, especially a playoff game, you're not out of it and and they had just gone down 21 to 7. Rivers got sacked. The O-line just looked so collectively mm-hmm. just like the air had gone like they got ran over by a Mack truck and they just had no air left in them. And I don't even think they helped Rivers up, you know. Like if you if you let your quarterback get hit, you're supposed to run over there and peel him off the turf, and
0: especially when he's that old, right? Yeah, he will not be buying anybody dinners or no. That was terrible. A few years ago, remember when Dak Prescott bought his offensive yep. line all new cars, vehicles, what have you? Rivers yep. won't be doing any of that because he no. was only sacked twice officially but he was getting bruised and battered and hit yep. almost every time he threw the ball. He was getting rid of it as fast as he as fast as he could
1: have and then on plays where he was trying to get the ball down the field and make something happen, cuz that's what you got to do when you're down. Mm-hmm. And it he he wasn't afforded the time and I just thought as a team they just did not look like like once they went down two scores there was no way that team was coming back just simply because of their attitude. I mean, it was Antonio Gates was obviously still giving it whatever he's got left in the tank. And Philip Rivers just gives us another just just a you know, it's really cliche. What what you would call a gutsy performance. Mm-hmm. You know, you see his team stand on the sidelines. He he's jumping up and down, yelling. He's the only one still in the game, even even on the sidelines. When he's standing on the sidelines he looked more involved than most of the guys out there playing defense.
0: So Phillip Rivers continues to be philip rivers and the chargers continue to be the chargers i love philip rivers i believe he's going to be a hall of famer he's a great quarterback no one can argue with what he's accomplished at least during the regular season but i almost wonder how much is that lack of postseason success going to impact his future and how we think about philip rivers and putting the game into perspective from the standpoint that he has never won a Super Bowl. Really, he's never come close to winning a Super Bowl. And with the talent, you know, I mean,
1: however many years he's willing to give it, um, with the talent that's on that roster, you know, they've got a solid three-, four-year window, you would think. Um, How many more of those three-, four-years is he going to play? Physically, if he wanted to, he probably could play all of them. Mm -hmm. But if it keeps going like it did yesterday, I mean... I don't know how much longer a guy in his late 30s could stand in there like that. He's obviously about as tough as they come. Um, he's got to be the closest quarterback out there, especially at that age, you know, taking hits like Brett Favre and just getting back up. And still, But and there's guys that will do it, but to have that attitude that he was showing, mm-hmm. um, that that's really unique. Um, obviously, how many picks did he throw? Did he throw two? Just want the one... Um, But anyways, you know, he's trying to make plays happen. Uh, It it was just, I thought it was kind of hard to watch just because I
0: felt so bad for the guy. He wants it so bad. We are up against a break, but I want to go to last night's game before we do so. It was almost a role reversal of last year's NFC Championship where the Vikings were a red-hot team. They came in with momentum. They started about as well as you could ask for, getting the first score. It was a little bit of a role reversal last night because Philly was the underdog, but they were coming in with momentum. They started about as well as you could ask for. They got a 14-0 lead early. They blow it, and the Saints have their biggest comeback in their franchise playoff history. The previous was when they came back from being down 10 in Super Bowl 44, and it all came down to a drop pass, by Alshon Jeffrey, and to his credit, he was playing through cracked ribs. He handled it with class. I know it was emotional, had to be disappointing, but been there, done that yeah. with the cracked ribs. Playing football with cracked ribs, you cannot breathe.
1: No. I've played many football games with broken ribs. You just can't even breathe, man. It, it's that's one of those injuries where, depending upon where the break is, I mean. You're almost you can play through it, but you're almost better, pal, just letting some next guy up, you know. Let's you're
0: almost hurting your team more than you're helping. I really wanna stick with the Eagles narrative, the Fool's Wentz controversy, but we're up against a break. Coming up, it is decision day for Kyler Murray. After a lot of thought, I've decided what I would do if I were in his situation. And that's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local
1: sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app.
0: The Sports Pen lives here on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops joined by Charlie Bramer. Thanks for being with us Monday afternoon. It is a big day for Kyler Murray. And a little less than an hour ago, he officially declared for the NFL Draft. Let's recap him for just a moment. He was taken ninth overall in the Major League Baseball draft by Oakland. He went to the University of Oklahoma and played football, even though he was already drafted as a pro baseball player. He said his intention was to go pro in baseball, but he had an outstanding football season this year, won the Heisman Trophy, Oklahoma made the college football playoff, and won the Big 12 Conference. Now there's speculation as to what Kyler Murray is going to do in the future. People will debate what he should do going forward. How nice must it be that your biggest problem right now, as an early 20s-something kid, that your biggest problem is, do I go make millions playing baseball or football? Where do I take my Heisman Trophy and play next year? It's just so strange to me. Saying that he wanted to play
1: professional baseball, that that's the route he wanted to go. Being drafted that high, that much money at stake, obviously that still would have been there. Um, but it's just strange because playing a whole season of football like that is, I mean, it's risky. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're going to be a baseball player. Very, very minor injuries. What, what in a football career, you know, oh, you... You tear that a little bit or tweak that joint or whatever that could end a baseball season especially for a pitcher and stuff just a slight slight ligament damage could just that could be it for a baseball player so obviously there's got to be some second guessing in there as to how good am i at football and what could i do with this and now that we know how good he is and he knows how good he is yeah exactly what what is he going to do what
0: What's your take on the whole deal? If I were Kyler Murray, my position's flipped on this a little bit. Early on, I thought, go pro in baseball. I didn't think he should be playing football this year if his intention was to play baseball. I'm surprised that the A's allowed it. But early on, I thought, go pro in baseball. The more that I thought about it, though, and I put myself in his position, here's what I would do. You have nothing to lose by declaring for the NFL draft. You will be taken right away. You'll be a first round talent if you say that you want to make a career out of football. I say go play football next year and you'll be getting guaranteed twenty, twenty-five million dollars, something like that. Not as much as he would get from baseball, but he just he won't have financial problems by any stretch. Tyler Murray has been playing at the highest level of college football and he has been in the spotlight. Do you think that a guy like that who has the chance to step under the bright lights of the NFL playing centerpiece games is going to be okay with trading all that in to ride a minor league bus for the next five years and play in these small little decrepit stadiums, what have you? I say go out for football, give it a year. You can stay in baseball shape because if things don't work out, then you still have baseball as a fallback. I say you go out and you give it a year. His game may not translate to the NFL. And if that's the case, he's still in baseball shape. He can take up the A's professionally and go see if it'll work out with them. Because baseball, he has more longevity. It's more of a safety net and ultimately more money. So if I'm Kyler Murray, I am entering the draft. I am playing football next season. And then if things don't work out, you retire and go to baseball. Yeah,
1: I mean, the way you're laying it out, obviously that makes sense. And it's just a matter, I mean, does he want to be playing both? Could a guy do that? You know, we've seen position players play both. You know, it's an interesting take on his situation. Um, like you said,
0: that wouldn't be a bad problem to have. Right now he wants an additional $15 million on the A's, and they're doing everything, including sending the top brass to try to convince him to go pro in baseball, like huh. Billy Bean is out there right now trying to court Kyler Murray to Oakland. And the A's don't have a problem with him declaring for the NFL draft. They just want him to choose baseball over football. But here's the thing. When you break down how he could be on a performance-based scale between baseball and football... I think the ceiling's higher for him for football. Baseball, I mean, he'll be a great player. I mean, he'll go through the minors and everything, but I don't think the ceiling's nearly as high for him as it would be for football because he's small in stature. He doesn't let that stop him. He's like a more athletic, more mobile version of Drew Brees, and he's coming into the league when it's at its offensive peak. The rules are being changed to benefit offenses. He could end up having a career that encompasses and overshadows that of Drew Brees. Maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. He's up there in the conversation. I think this would be such a wasted opportunity if he didn't at least give it a try, at least yeah. one year to come into fruition. Yeah, I mean it's uh maybe maybe that's what he does want to do is
1: is play play both. But it's like you said, he's already done enough to get to the highest competitive level in football he still has a lot of work to put in to get there in baseball like you said so go for the football right now right because baseball will be there it's like you said
0: i almost wonder how much he means to oakland in the sense that he's Asking for quite a bit out of Billy Bean and the guys. $15 million extra. Which, wouldn't that, like, double Oakland's payroll? Well, and the thing (laughs) is, that would mean he automatically needs, with the money that he'll be making, he needs to automatically be on Oakland's 40-man roster. That doesn't mean he has to go up to the big league level right away. He would still be able to play in the minors and develop down there. But you would be spending over... 15 million dollars extra from what you thought you were going to get for him and you have to give up a 40-man roster spot. I mean, I know he's a top 10 MLB pick, but is that worth it? No, it's not because if the
1: Athletics were in the middle of one of their rebuilds, then it's a different story, but they're competing right now and those 40-man roster spots are very valuable to a competing team, so they, they can't afford to give him that money and have him on the 40-man roster if he's not going to potentially
0: um, produce in the major leagues like this season i mean i know he's a top 10 talent and you hate to waste a pick of that caliber anytime and he would definitely be a good baseball player i don't know how long it would take him to get up to the major leagues but kyler murray would get there wouldn't they get a competitive balance pick for losing him i think there's it's a possibility yeah. It's a possibility. It's not going to be a top-ten pick, though. Mm-hmm. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. We will take another timeout as we're hitting the bottom of the hour. When we come back, we'll debate Foles and Wentz and what the Eagles do moving forward. All that and more in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on
1: the ESPN-UP app.
0: The Sports Pen lives here on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoop's Charlie Bramer with you Monday afternoon. Here is your Sports Center update. A pair of Northern Michigan men's hockey players were recognized by the WCHA earlier today. Philip Ballou was named Defensive Player of the Week, while Griffin Lochran was named Conference Rookie of the Week. Northern is currently riding a six-game winning streak. They've moved up to second place in the conference. They are receiving votes in the latest rankings. They are ahead of both Michigan and Wisconsin in terms of teams receiving votes. The Chicago Bulls are refusing to discuss a potential buyout with Robin Lopez. And finally, an egg has beat out Kylie Jenner for having the most liked Instagram photo when a group called world underscore record underscore egg decided to make a page with one goal in mind – and that was getting the most liked photo on Instagram. Kylie Jenner had the previous record. There was a video of her posted on her Instagram today, breaking an egg. So for everybody out there on Instagram, the bar is an egg. Wow. The, Not sports uh, related, but it was rage. funny. The rage, huh? Yeah, something <laughs> interesting.
1: Um, so how many likes was it? How many likes did that take to break the record, do I, we know? Like
0: 18 million likes as of last wow. night.
1: there you go
0: an account called world underscore record underscore egg and they call themselves egg gang the egg gang egg gang wow watch out for the egg gang well they're breaking world records all the time what's if you, next if you cross them your house is gonna get you know what well i tell you what uh, there are probably a few fans in Philadelphia who are throwing some eggs wherever. Because well, that's what they
1: do. They would have done that even if they won. Right.
0: Nah, they probably would have. <laughs> Eagle fans are disappointed because their team is out of the postseason. They fall last night 20-14 to 14 at the hands of the New Orleans Saints. Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. It is such a weird drama, such a weird dynamic they have there. I still think Carson Wentz is a better overall quarterback, but that Nick Foles works better in the system that Doug Peterson has. Wentz is younger. He has a longer career ahead of him. Ceiling is higher for him. I hope he can start to stay healthy because his team's been in the playoffs twice, and he's never taken a snap because he keeps getting hurt in the regular season, and that ends his year. But I say this they would not have made the playoffs this year with Carson Wentz as their quarterback. Nick Foles, when he became the quarterback, that's where the season turned around, and that's how they got where they were.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, Doug Peterson is about, you you think of coaches in the NFL that are quarterback guys. He's got to be about at the top of that list. Mm -hmm. Um, He could probably make it work with many other backup quarterbacks in the league Um, On that first throw, that first touchdown Foles scored yesterday, I mean, I really thought, you know, how much longer can this luck go on? You know, there's been so many plays like that throughout last postseason run and uh, this one so far. Apparently it ran out not too long after that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Foles, he did some good things when Chip Kelly was there. Uh, I remember they throttled the Packers one game, and he was throwing the ball downfield. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously Carson Wentz, he was the MVP favorite not long ago. So the talent is there. You know, we were talking before about Kyler Murray, what a good problem to have. The Eagles, this is a very envious position to be in. Yes. Whenever you get one of these so-called quarterback controversies, it's... uh, it's a good problem to have, and I don't really know how much of a controversy really is because it's basically
0: a no-brainer. Jacksonville Jaguars would kill to have a quarterback controversy right. right now, or at least kill for their quarterback controversy to not be like Bortles yeah. or Cody Kessler. They'd kill to have an uh, actual NFL quarterback. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, man, they've they've got a lot to figure out down there in Jacksonville here over the offseason. You look at Foles and Wentz what's your pick who do they go with moving forward i just said i thought it was a no-brainer
1: so i and and with that i guess you know you got to go with Wentz. yeah you know it's not just because there was a time where he was playing better than guys like aaron Rodgers. so he can't really to have that type of talent you know does Foles have that ceiling at you know absolutely not um so if Wentz can can put it all together and stay healthy, you're kind of alarmed because that offensive line is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Throughout the season, they had a lot of in- injuries, and there was some guys that came back right when Foles became the starter. Um, so you know you wonder would Wentz have stayed upright if that had been kind of reversed? You know if the offensive line had been healthy when he was out there, but get a, get a solid offensive line in front of them and uh I think he's really the guy that could to, could take that team to consistent level. Obviously, they've already won a Super Bowl. They want a playoff game this year. It's not like he needs to take them to some they're already there, but he can continue to keep them where they're at year after year. I think he's the guy they really got to put all their eggs in one basket. And uh, it, to me, that seems like a no brainer I don't know. Do you, you feel differently? I
0: agree. I agree with you in the sense that Carson Wentz is the guy moving forward because I believe in selling high, buying low. Carson Wentz still has a ceiling. I don't think he's played his best football yet in the NFL, and he's looked like he could be MVP caliber a few times when he's healthy. Nick Foles is riding the hot hand, and he is playing at his ceiling right now. I don't think he has another level to go higher than this. You can get pretty good trade value for him if you decide to do something and send him on the move this off season. I can think of a few places that he would do really well. I think we were just, yeah, I think we were just talking about one, right? Mm-hmm. Jacksonville would love to have them. Oakland, I think, would love to have Nick Foles. And- Washington certainly, maybe Baltimore, depending if they're content with how Lamar Jackson's kind of a one-dimensional quarterback. So does that mean, are you inferring that Derek Carr is out at Oakland? It's starting to lean that way. I don't think he should be. I think Derek Carr is one of the most slept-on quarterbacks, and he, I just I like Derek Carr. I'm high on him, but the way things are going there in Oakland, it is a fire sale, and John Gruden is cleaning house. I mean, if they traded him, I would like to
1: think if they got a first-round pick for some wide receiver, mm-hmm. get a first-round pick for a defensive player, it has got to be a team out there that'd give up more than a first, more than mm-hmm. just one first-round pick for a quarterback that, I mean, he's reigning Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, well, for Foles and then also for Carr. Mm-hmm. So there could be some... And that's kind of unusual that for there to be... That high of caliber of talent of quarterback available via trade, you know usually teams are trading up for draft picks mm-hmm. and giving up a lot for these draft picks, and then that 's an unproven player. These guys have proven success at the NFL level, so for that to be available for trade, i mean someone 's got to be willing to pull the trigger on that, and the hall is going to be a good one, and you know we 're already looking at Oakland having so much draft capital it's it's almost ridiculous i think they could get a lot
0: more if they wanted it i tell you what i wonder if nick Foles wants to leave philadelphia or if he could be content with doing what they're doing right now because what if for some wild reason both wentz and Foles want to stay the system's working for them right now. I mean, they're consistently a playoff team, and they're tough. I mean, I wonder yeah. if, if anybody can balance that kind of a quarterback tandem. Doug Peterson would be right. the guy. But if they do decide to go with Wentz as their quarterback of the future, the face of the franchise, then it's going to be on Doug Peterson developing and evolving his system. Because right now, Wentz wasn't effective when he was healthy. He was effective as far as targeting Zach Ertz. That was a security blanket, and that was one of his biggest downfalls. Golden Tate was not doing much after he got traded over there until Nick Foles became the quarterback because he distributes the ball much better than Wentz. That has to change moving forward for Carson Wentz.
1: Yeah, that's something that you know a young player oftentimes struggles with. Um, in college, you can have a lot of success. Quarterbacks at Wisconsin have done it for generations throwing it strictly to the tight ends. In the NFL, you can win some regular season games with that um, as long as you have a running game, but you've got to be able to distribute the football because teams are not going to let you get away with that for long in the NFL, only targeting uh, certain guys or one position. So is Foles content staying in Philadelphia? If he wanted a guaranteed uh, if you really want to guarantee longevity to his nfl career that would be that should be what he would do but how much money is philadelphia willing to sink into the backup quarterback position that used to be something teams would sink money into nowadays where quarterbacks are protected more these star quarterbacks are getting so much more money that's just you can't afford to do that anymore um it's difficult enough to build a winning roster around a guy that eats up as much money as an Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady has been saving the Patriots money for such a long time, and that helps him pick up an extra two or three guys, veterans, at the bottom end of that roster to really round it out talent-wise. And coming up here, Wentz is going to want his big deal, so are they going to even be able to keep Foles around for what he's proven he's worth even if he's just a backup and another interesting backup I mean I was really disappointed and the Packers were when they released Taysom Hill Mm. and now he's in New Orleans doing all kinds of cool things running downfield trying to catch 60 yard touchdowns next play he's trying to throw a 60 yard touchdown and uh, I thought that was a big loss for the Packers when they lost him Man, he would have been one of their better special teams players if they had kept him around. It's guys like that that really round out a roster. So it's great to have him in Philadelphia as far as falls, but, yeah, what are they willing to pay him? There's going to be a lot of guys looking for money there, and what kind of flexibility are they going to
0: have, especially once they have to give Wentz this big deal? Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. We'll take our last time out. We'll come back and we'll talk a little hoops. New college rankings came out today. Bucks winners last night. Pistons trying to get off the skid in Salt Lake. All that and more coming up in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen lives here on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you as we wind down to the 5 o'clock hour. Thanks for being with us on your Monday afternoon turning into evening. Well, we had basketball that's been happening around here lately. We've been kind of dominated by football, but let's go to the hardwood here for a little bit. The new college basketball rankings came out today. Michigan holds it number two, one of two unbeatens left in the country. And Michigan State holds six. Your Badgers, they're on the road tonight taking on Maryland. But, man, they're hanging around there in the top 20s. And I tell you what, they're not a team anybody wants to play on a given night because for some nights they they have it and they can put it all together. But they're going to be a dangerous team come tournament time for that reason. As long as they're hot come tournament time, if Aleem Ford and Demetrius
1: Trice are hitting three is they're darn near unbeatable mm-hmm. because if they have that outside scoring and they have other guys, um, particularly off the bench, that can knock down the triple, but it really comes down to Trice being able to hit the triple. Um, he's such a streaky shooter. At one time, he was leading the Big Ten in uh three-point percentage. I don't know what that is now. He went cold for a while. Um, but, you know, at 11-5, and five, should they be in the rankings, that's debatable. They've had some really good wins, but they've also had some really tough losses. It's like you said, they're going to be a dangerous team come tournament time. But Michigan, wow, what they have done as mm-hmm. far as going back to last year, I really don't know how they're not the number one overall team right now. Mm-hmm. I think they are. And it's not really that close to me. I think they are by far the best I agree team. with you. I don't know how they're not ranked number one overall.
0: Uh, take that Michigan team over Duke, absolutely, oh,
1: certainly, and that's yeah. very—I don't know what it is. I mean, you want to call it disrespect, whatever it is. Um, if I'm Coach Beeline, I like being the number two team. Mm-hmm. Us
0: against the world type of thing—that always plays well for your for your team, right? That Badger game against Minnesota. We'll that, oh, that was that rough. That was rough, man. Did we learn? Some negative things about Wisconsin, or do you tend to think that was a fluke? I mean, Hap has got to learn how to hit free throws. Otherwise, it's going to be hack a Hap. And and I cannot believe, you know,
1: last year he thought he was a first-round NBA draft. Yeah. If he cannot hit 65% or better of his free throws, he's not going to stick in the NBA. Um, he doesn't have the athletic ability, like a John Lure, um, to morph his game um, is he going to be able to score on NBA bigs the way he scores on these college guys? Yeah, he's, he's doing it against seven-footers, but against Giannis and against Rudy Gobert, um, the stifle tower, mm-hmm. I, I don't see him being able to finish the same. And and if he's trying to and if he, if he can, then like I said, they're just going to hack him. And it's it's really disappointing because you look at his shot, he does not have the ugliest free throw you've ever seen. So I don't know why he can't get consistent. I don't know if it's a mental thing. you got to assume that's what it is. I've been waiting. Ever since his sophomore year, I thought, this guy looks like he's going to be a big that develops an outside shot because he's got great handles. Mm-hmm. He has surprisingly good handles. He's just a little slow. I think he's got the handles to play in the NBA. He's just a little slow. Then he can't space the floor. You know, twenty years ago, maybe a little longer even, he'd have been a top prospect, yeah. and he'd have been a big time four prospect. I mean, a power forward back in their heydays, the Danny Forts and heydays of power forwards in the NBA, he'd have been a top prospect. But now it's—I don't even think he'll stick in the NBA. He's probably going to be playing overseas. Unfortunately.
0: Well, you've got the Bucks to feel good about. They Very get good. their thirtieth win yeah. last night. They're now thirty and twelve. Giannis keeps doing Giannis things, but they took down Atlanta. Hundred thirty three points is getting to be the norm when they can get yep. that per game. They've
1: only scored under ninety points once and under a hundred three times, I believe. They've scored over a hundred and thirty six times. So or now it would be seven with the game last night. They lost to the Wizards. That looks like a bad loss. That was not a bad loss. Mm-hmm. The Wizards I think they made 18 threes against the Bucks. Then they shot, they made a franchise record 19 threes against Toronto last night. The Wizards took Toronto to double overtime and had the. they were up by three with like 50 seconds to go. That was a great finish last night, that Wizards-Raptors game. If the Wizards would have beat the Raptors, they would have had beaten Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Toronto all in a row. That Wizards team is on fire fire right now Mm -hmm. and they are spacing the floor and moving the ball just about better than any other team i've seen all year watching golden state and the bucks and they move the ball better than just about anybody in the nba for the wizards to be at that level with the guys they got bradley beal has been on fire at back-to-back triple doubles he had i think 44 points against toronto yesterday um i mean that's that's really killing it he had he had Mm -hmm. 35 against milwaukee i think they have back-to-back triple-doubles against those two quality teams. He played 55 minutes last night, and he's out there giving it all he has, taking Toronto to the wire. Obviously, I can't believe I'm talking about the Wizards in Toronto and not the Bucks. but the Bucks played the Hawks. They won by about 15, whatever it was, 12-15. You know, that's expected, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, but the Wizards winning, that hasn't been expected yeah. lately, and they're
0: doing this without John Wall.
1: Definitely, and they're finding that they're a more well-rounded team, and they play better. The ball moves better without. It doesn't become so stagnant like it does when John Wall's on the court. Um, I liken John Wall's play style as somewhat that of a Brandon Jennings. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's better than Brandon Jennings was, but the the ball becomes stagnant in the guard's hands. It's. I I am really starting to develop to get back to Milwaukee a disdain for Eric Bledsoe when he is not on the court. I'm looking at guys like George Hill, who's shooting under 30% from three since he's been in Milwaukee. His overall net rating is about equal to to Eric Bledsoe's. Um, so that's just something to throw out there. It's kind of bothering me. Bledsoe was quite efficient early in the season. That's starting to erode a little bit. He seems like he's kind of going back to driving the ball a little bit. He's forcing it a little bit more over the last month. It's really bothering me. Um, I don't know. Maybe he'll come back down to earth and get back to
0: where he was early in the season. Here's a chance to play GM. How do we go about fixing the Detroit Pistons? That is something I wanted to totally touch on. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm glad They got off the skid a couple of nights ago when they beat the Clippers in Blake Griffin's return game. He always gets up for that yep. one. And now they take on Gobert and the Jazz in Salt Lake tonight. And that's gonna be a tough
1: matchup for the Pistons, uh, especially in Utah. But that is something I'm so glad you brought that up. I've been saying for a long time. There are players available that would fit so well. There are guys I had that in my notes today that I of course totally forgot. Uh, a list of players that I believe would be available um, or will be available at some point this season, that would fit right in what the Pistons need, a guy that can put the ball in the hoop, a forward that can space the floor and shoot threes. Um, there's guys that have been on the move already, and I can't believe the Pistons haven't picked them up. Now with how good the Wizards are playing, there was a few guys on that team I thought would really fit well mm-hmm. with the Pistons, but thats is, they is—they—they have to find a way to bring in someone i've been saying it on the show now i'm just a total broken record a guy that can space the floor and put it in from deep and there are guys available there are some really good players that can do that some three and d type of guys and i don't know what the deal with the pistons is because it's like i said last week you got to get one of these guys and then give them seven to ten games Mm -hmm. to make an impact and the longer they wait that seven to ten games is that's going to be their window to even get back into this thing. So they've really got to make a move, I think,
0: like this week. I mean, they've got to do something now because their window is closing. If they want to have a shot to sneak into the postseason, yep. it has to start at the guard position. Right now, they seem to just want to relax and let Reggie Bullock pan himself out. I'm not sure if that's going to happen this season, though. He's got potential, Reggie's got potential. I just don't know that it's going to happen here in the next week or so, and they're going to miss their window, but they just seem content to not make moves. I think I think Bullock is going to be a guy. Um, he's going to be better suited coming off the
1: bench and just doing that type of thing through it. I think he's too streaky at this point, and a lot of guys like that that are that, are that streaky, um, they're just better served coming off the bench. There's nothing wrong with that. He can still play 25, 30 minutes a night but just coming off the bench in a less less pressure, you know, that can make a huge difference on guys like that. And somehow some way the Pistons have to find a way to move Andre Drummond. He's a dinosaur. The Bucks got out from under Greg Monroe. Obviously his contract was expiring last year, but they were able to get something for him. Is it too late for the Pistons to get something for Andre Drummond because teams realize Okay, yeah, this guy's a great basketball player, but what are we going to do with him? Hmm. So I don't know if they can get anything. It's wrong. a hot take, right? And and with how much money he's owed, how, you know, who's gonna who's gonna take that I on? Mean, he's
0: a double double machine.
1: He is, but but in getting that double double, he takes away from other stuff that you can do with his lack of ability to space the floor, and he's not the greatest passer. So and even even shot blocking, you know, there's guys like Brook Lopez blocks more shots a game than Andre Drummond so how great at blocking shots is Andre Drummond you know you look at him and his athletic ability it's like oh he's a great shot blocker but how consistent is he at it not very so there's things that he does well but in doing those things well like I said he takes away from a team's ability to space the floor and shoot threes and that's what the Pistons have to be able to do to keep with teams like Milwaukee and Philadelphia teams that can really pour on some points. On any given night.
0: Starting to wind down toward the 5 o'clock hour, but let's talk baseball. First time I've had you on since the Brewers got an absolute steal signing Yasmati Grandal. They signed Grandal.
1: They added another big cannon arm to their bullpen this bullpen this year i've been saying it for a while they're going to have an opportunity to be the best bullpen in major league baseball history they're going to get the innings that's for sure um everybody keeps expecting the brewers to make a move for a starter don't think that's going to happen at least not in the way um you know, like, people want this Madison Bumgarner deal to go down. The Brewers are not going to give up. San Francisco's asking for a Freddie Peralta, a Corbin Burns, mm-hmm. a Brandon Woodruff. They're not going to give up a guy with three or four years of club control for one year of Madison Bumgarner. What the Brewers have right now in starting pitching is it's plenty. These guys can give them five innings of solid baseball every night, get into that bullpen, that Mas- Yasmani Grandal deal – I mean, now the Brewers have four catchers. Obviously, Eric Kratz became a fan favorite. Manny is going to have some value in the trade market because mm-hmm. he's one of the best defensive catchers in all of baseball. What people forget about, yes, Monte Grandal, he was the highest-rated pitch framer last year. So that plays huge into what the Brewers do as far as calling baseball games. I think the Brewers, more than any other team I've seen, value the pitch framing. Mm-hmm. Um that's why Eric Kratz was getting the call, the starts down the stretch, because he's a better pitch framer than Manny Pena. But, and Kratz, I mean, he's got a good arm, but he just simply can't throw out guys like Pena. Mm-hmm. What Pena can throw out guys darn near forty percent. Kratz is around twenty percent. So even with that being in the fold, they still valued the pitch framing over. The the being able to throw guys out on the base pass. so obviously that's what they're picking up in Grandall as a pitch framer, a guy that can come into Miller Park. I think he's going to hit 30 home runs this year, mm-hmm. um, because he's going to get at least 500 at bats. He's been hitting 24, 25, 27 home runs the other year in like 398 at bats. He's going to get 500, 550 at bats. He's going to get spot starts at first. There's going to be this is going to cause a trickle effect other roster moves this grand doll being a left-handed hitter he's gonna get starts at first base against um righties so i don't know what that means for eric thames eric thames inability to play the outfield there's another guy that Brewers are gonna be looking to move i think it it's. I'm unsure. It would make that. sense if he wasn't even on the postseason roster. Exactly. He's got talent. He can hit the ball. Oh, totally. And he's he's got to go to an American League team where he can DH, mm-hmm. and um, he'll hit 30 homers a year. It'll be he'll he'll have a fine f- few more years to his career. What the Brewers are doing here, I really like it. Just adding the depth and and letting their young players like Corbin Burns, the guys who they believe can be stars, Jimmy Nelson. Um, they're going to let those guys shine and they're just going to be such a well-rounded baseball team. And I love how they've added the lefties. It it just, especially with Miller park, that really, really plays up at Miller park. I, I cannot stress that enough. And, with the addition of Grandall, with the Brewers last year especially, it was one through six. Their lineup might have been the best in baseball, one through six. But then you get down seven, eight, obviously nine with the pitcher spot in the National League. It was just, especially in the dog days of summer, that was rough, seven, eight, nine. Now with Grandall stretching their lineup at Miller Park they're going to be a 100-win team this year. Well, There's no Grand doubt up, about he, it.
0: He wants to be a part of this Brewer team. He sees they're building something special, and he wants to be a part of it. He took a hefty pay cut to come up there. Yeah, well, I mean, he did take the
1: hefty pay cut as far as longevity, you know, longevity of his contract. He turned down some say a $60 million deal over four years. Others say it was closer to 50 whatever it was. He's taking five extra million this year. And banking on having a great season. He's going to be 31 next off season. So expecting to get another four-year contract offer, that's cojones on his part because 31-year-old catchers do not get those offers. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to get it from the Brewers. No. So he's expecting to go to Milwaukee, have a big year, and get another bigger contract offer next year. Like I said, that just doesn't happen for catchers. So they're, like Mark Grace used to say, if you want to extend – if you want to really make money, you go year to year, but that is banking on yourself. I don't know why he didn't take the money in New York, but I'm very overwhelmingly <laughs> overjoyed to have him in Milwaukee. That, that is really the offensive player that's going to put them over the top. And now I think I'd be happy with them platooning Spangenberg and Perez at second. Mm-hmm. Perez has a 780 OPS against lefties, and Spangenberg has a 750 career OPS against uh, righties, so that's a you're talking with that kind of defense, a plus defense platooning them at second base that you add that all together that 's an above average production at second base, and just have them bridge the gap to Keston Hero. I really like how the rosters coming together Brewers need to hire you as an analyst well i I agree <laughs> I like that take thank you, thank you. I
0: like that take i've watched enough brewers baseball to have an opinion that's for sure charlie bramer is our guest today appreciate you as always my man looking forward to next week thank you so much tanner and as we get closer to baseball season i i i think i'm showing you
1: what we have in store as far as my excitement (laughs) level i I can't wait thank you so much for having me i
0: appreciate it as always good to see you again good to talk with you and great to be with you on the sports pen hope you enjoyed it today.